Hello and welcome to you all this morning joining us in person and around Europe and around the world indeed online for this conference on the Belt and Road Initiative. Now 2023 marks 10 years of the initiative so it's an excellent time to take stock of where we're at, where the future might lie and how future collaboration can be enhanced. We've seen the world go through massive changes in the last 10 years. We've come out of a pandemic, we've seen various other crises so it's really really an instructive and turning point to discuss this important initiative. Connectivity and infrastructure has never been more important and I think we're going to hear about that a lot today from our great speakers. We will of course have an opening address from the ambassador and then we will move into our panel discussion. My name is Jennifer Baker, I will be your moderator today posing the questions that you can send through to us using slido.com on your smartphones or your tablets. If you're watching online you can use the box underneath the underneath this video or if you're in the room of course you can please scan the QR code and put your questions to our speakers. I'll be getting them all here through my tablet and hopefully in the next hour or so we will have time to get through as many of those as possible and of course if you're interested in discussing or sharing on social media please use the hashtag EA debates. Well, let's get started. We are, as I say, very pleased and honoured to have with us to set the scene and give us the background and the opening for today's debate, the Ambassador Extraordinary and Plenipotentiary and Head of Mission of the People's Henriette Corner of China to the European Union, Fu Tsung. Thank you very much, Ambassador. The floor is yours. Thank you, Jennifer. <coughs> Good morning, everybody. Let me start. Uh, first, it's a pleasure to attend this event, and thank you all for coming. Uh, let me start by thanking Euroactive for hosting today's event. I'm very happy to be here and get together with friends from China, Europe, and the Belt and Road partner countries. Uh, as we celebrate the 10th anniversary of the Belt and Road Initiative, today's event also provides us with a good opportunity to not only look back, uh, but also, more importantly, to look ahead and explore how to better promote Belt and Road cooperation from a new starting point. So to this end, uh, I would like to focus uh, in my speech on, two key, uh, on three key words. The first key word is history. Over 2,000 years ago, our ancestors, trekking across vast steppes and desert, opened the transcontinental passage connecting Asia, Europe, and Africa, known today as the Silk Road. By navigating rough seas, they also treat, uh, created sea routes linking the east with the west namely the Maritime Silk Road. Spanning thousands of miles and years, these ancient silk routes opened windows of friendly engagement among nations and embodied the spirit of peace <coughs> and the cooperation, openness and inclusiveness, mutual learning and the mutual benefit. The Silk Road spirit has become a great heritage of human civilization. Entering the 21st century, mankind has reached an age of great success, of great progress, 
great transformation and the profound changes, and witnessed a host of global challenges, including deficit in peace, deficit in development, and the deficit in governance. It was in this context that President Xi Jinping proposed in 2013 the building of the Silk Road Economic Belt and the 21st Century Maritime Silk Road, respectively in Kazakhstan and in Indonesia, which today we call the Belt and Road Initiative. With a focus on connectivity, the initiative follows the principle of extensive consultation, joint contribution, and the shared benefits. The philosophy of open, green, and clean cooperation, and the high standard, people-centered, and sustainable approach, with the aim of building a community with a shared future for mankind. By reinvigorating Asian silk routes, the BRI has become a road to opportunities and a road to prosperity. The second key word I wish to share today is harvest. Over the past decade, China and the Belt and Road partner countries have continuously promoted connectivity in terms of policy, infrastructure, trade, finance, and the people-to-people -people contacts. The BRI has evolved from a concept into real actions, from vision into reality, making it the world's broadest-based and the largest program, uh, platform for international cooperation and the global public good. As of June this year, China has signed over 200 BRI cooperation documents with more than 150 countries and 32 international organizations. The BRI has stimulated nearly a trillion US dollars of investment, generated more than 3,000 projects, created 420,000 jobs for local countries, and lifted about 40 million people out of poverty. The World Bank estimates that with the BRI, 7.6 million will get out of extreme poverty and 32 million out of moderate poverty by 2030. It is fair to say that the initiative has not only benefited China, but also the whole world. A report by the think tank Bruegel also shows that over the last 10 years, the BRI has been positively received globally, despite the world economic recession and the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. As Chinese ambassador to the EU, I personally follow very closely the important role this important initiative plays in promoting exchanges and cooperation between China and the EU countries. Few people may know that uh, the term itself, the Silk Road, was actually coined by a German geographer, Ferdinand von Reithofen. 
more than a century, a century ago. Thanks to Asian Silk Road routes, the earliest links between China and Europe went back as early as the first century AD. The BRI, which now extends from the most dynamic Asia-Pacific economies in the East to the largest single market of the EU in the West, serves as a new platform for China-Europe cooperation. Let me give you a few examples. The China-Europe Railway Express, dubbed as Steel Camel Fleets, has opened up 40, uh, 84 routes, reaching 217 cities in 25 European countries. The Greek port of Piraeus has overcome many difficulties to become a top port in the Mediterranean Sea in terms of throughput capacity. The Budapest to Belgrade Railroad, which is expected to be completed by 2024, is a flagship BRI project between China and the Central and the Eastern European countries. And also, as an example of successful aligning Chinese and the European railway technologies and the standards. Other projects include other projects including the Piazzesac, uh, sorry for, for, for the pronunciation, Piazzesac Bridge in Croatia and the CATL's new battery plant in Hungary are also witnessing the vigor and vitality of the BRI. These concrete examples fully demonstrate that there are huge opportunities from Belt and Road Corporation, opportunities that China, both China and Europe, cannot afford to miss. The third word, key word I want to share today is confidence. Speaking of confidence, we should first have confidence in the future prospect of the BRI. The initiative, though launched by China, is by no means China's solo show, but rather a chorus involving all partner countries. In today's world, China continues to enjoy robust momentum of growth among all major economies. To drum up support for Belt and Road Corporation, China will firmly apply the new development philosophy, foster a new development paradigm, and promote openness at a faster pace and at a higher level. At the same time, with the refinement of its blueprint over the last decade, the BRI has gained broad economic support in partner countries. This gives us ample reason to believe that this initiative will be able to create a splendid chapter of close cooperation and the mutual benefit in the next decade. We should also have confidence in the future of China-EU cooperation. In this ever-changing world, 
we are facing challenges like never before. China and the EU are two major forces upholding world peace, two big markets promoting shared developments, and the two great civilizations promoting human progress. This is how we see the relationship between China and the EU. It is therefore incumbent upon us to work hand in hand to make the world a safer place and promote well-being of humanity. Just like what the EU High Representative Mr. Joseph Burrell said, China's Belt and Road Initiative and EU's Global Gateway are not exclusive, but complementary. And the promoting global development is a common goal of both sides. We share this view and hope to discuss with an open mind possible ways of cooperation between the BRI and the Global Gateway in order to create new areas of growth for China-EU cooperation. In fact, green is the most distinctive, green is the most distinctive color of the BRI, which is highly consistent with the EU's approach to development. When it comes to cooperation on green infrastructure projects, China and the EU have a lot to offer to each other. It's also important to note that China has already worked with European countries, including France, Belgium, and Italy, in third country markets, and launched projects in Africa, Latin America, and Asia. This may well be a priority area of China-EU cooperation in the future. Ladies and gentlemen, dear friends, as the German proverb, go proverb goes, those who work alone add, those who work together multiply. So in this spirit, let us join hand and work closely to inject more light, more wisdom, more confidence, and more hope to this challenging world. Thank you. Once again, thank you for coming. I'll be looking forward to uh, answering your questions. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you. I thank you for those words. And I will add uh, another proverb, which is, of course, if you want to go fast, go alone. Indeed. If you want to go far, go together. Um, I'd like to call to the stage now our, one of our other speakers to join us, please. Uh, the Deputy Head of Mission of Kazakhstan to the European Union, Timur Sultan Gozhen. Please, if you would take a seat. And I would also say hello to our online speakers joining us remotely. We are delighted to have Alicia Garcia Herrero, Senior Fellow at Bruegel. As we heard there, Bruegel have recently done a study on this. And Dr. Wang Wen, who is Executive Dean of Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies, Deputy Dean and Distinguished Professor of Silk Road School, the Renmin University of China, and Executive Director of the China-US People-to-People Exchange Research Centre. So thank you both very much for being with us as well. Uh, Timur, uh, let me turn to you first and ask you for your initial reaction to the Ambassador's opening remarks and to give us a sense of, from the Kazakhstan view, where are we 10 years on? Well, first of all, thank you, Madam Moderator, and thank you, Ambassador, for inviting and organizing this important event. Indeed, I want to congratulate uh, the government of China 
and everyone else present in this room with the 10th anniversary of this uh, mega project, the BRI. Uh, from the Kazakh, uh, Kazakhstan's point of view, it is uh, absolutely uh, obvious that such projects are really welcomed and need to be, need to be supported, uh, especially in taking into account uh, the need for connectivity and transportation development across the Eurasian uh, continent. Uh, well, needless to say that Kazakhstan is known in the world as a second, uh, as, a, as a one of the largest uh, landlocked countries. Uh, Kazakhstan's economy is largely based and is uh, uh, reliable on the transportation routes. And more to say, uh, the BRI initiative was announced in Astana in 2013. It, it, is, it was a very historic uh, moment and uh, since then Kazakhstan considers itself as a buckle on this belt uh, due to the fact that Kazakhstan is, uh, is um, rightly situated on the way of a few very key and important uh, corridors, transport corridors, like uh, north-south and east-west. Uh, but I would like to add that Kazakhstan has not been sitting idle and since uh, 15 years ago our government has been investing tremendously into the development of the infrastructure and transport uh, logistical uh, uh, hardware together with our Chinese uh, partners. Uh, over 15 years we have uh, gathered and invested over 35 billion US dollars of investments. Uh, right now, within the BRI and uh, uh, together with our international partners, we have also invested over 20 billion into, into concrete BRI projects that run via Kazakhstan. So, I think it, it is needless to say what is the positive and uh, tremendous effect this gives onto the economy the prosperity and the ability of people to, to create uh, more jobs, uh, more uh, supply chains, and to develop uh, all sorts of uh, hardware communications. To be exact, uh, in in last uh, 15 years, over 2,500 railways were built in Kazakhstan, over 20,000 new roads, new logistical hubs at the Caspian port like Aktau and Kurik. A big and one of the most important dry ports was established at the border of Kazakhstan and China, Orgos. It, is, it, it is, has a crucial uh, role in, in uh, implementing the, one of the most important projects that Kazakhstan sees right now is the middle corridor. Uh, apart from that, additional dry port is being constructed and will, will soon be uh, complete. Kazakhstan is also implementing few very important projects with China, including building a logistical hub in Xi'an uh, province. And uh, coming to that, uh, in May uh, this year, our president, uh, Mr. Tokayev, has been in China with the official visit. And over 20 different documents have been signed uh, in terms of cooperation, not only in trade or agriculture or science, but also and specifically in transport area. And two MOUs specifically on the middle corridor 
and road cooperation. So we see this as a, as a huge uh, step forward. The potential of the uh, BRI initiative is only starting to show. It is a project that uh, will uh, continue to benefit uh, uh, in, years, in years to come. And we look forward to, to working in, in spirit of friendship and partnership with our Chinese colleagues to, to, make, this, uh, to make this happen. Uh, just to mention also, uh, the middle corridor has doubled uh, its capacity in last year. So uh, the, the middle corridor is, we see it as one of the possible uh, best alternatives to the uh, other um, alternative routes that are present right now, because it is, it is the fastest, ecologically um, sustainable, uh, very effective and quick road to, to deliver goods from Asia to China and from China to Asia. And this has proven to be uh, uh, true. Uh, all the figures show that. Uh, the economic and trade turnover between China and Kazakhstan has risen significantly in, in past few years. And last year we have reached over 30 billion uh, turnover. This is a historic uh, historic benchmark uh, we will continue to work work on that together with the uh, with the china government and i would like to also mention that uh, it is important that we are here in brussels and uh, right sitting next to the berlin building of the european commission and the european commission has have uh, sanctioned a study of the ebrd uh, on the sustainable development of the middle corridor that offers a number of concrete uh, measures and steps to, to, uh, to, to, to continue developing this very important Trans-Caspian route. And uh, we think that the joint uh, work of all the interested partners will bring uh, the good benefits for that. Thank you. Well, let me bring in uh, Alicia. Um, I know Bruegel has been doing some work on the facts and the figures and, and, and doing some research. Tell us what you've been working on, please. Uh, well, first of all, thank you very much for this invitation. Can you hear me well? Yes, we can. Okay, that's wonderful. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with the ambassador and the other speakers to talk about, uh, indeed, a landmark uh, project. China, um, China's soft power, in my view, is very well uh, depicted in, in the BRI but also the economic power, and that's how the BRI started. In fact, our first uh, study on the BRI was all about trade. I mean, how much trade could the BRI create in the world, including in Europe? And we came up with some positive numbers for Europe, uh, around 6% increase in trade, thanks to the new routes which China was creating. We warned, however, that if uh, China were to create a free trade area with the, within the BRI, which, by the way, hasn't happened. So that warning never came true. But I just want to, to say it out loudly because it does show that things can change in terms of benefits um, over time. If China were to create a free trade uh, area within the BRI, uh, Europe would become a loser out of this, um, of this project. 
So a lot of the, the benefits versus uh, cost uh, depend very much on the evolution of this project. Um, the other uh, study that has actually been mentioned by the ambassador on sentiment um, is actually a, an, an updated study. We did this twice on, on the evolution of sentiment. So indeed, the average sentiment about the BRI is slightly positive. Uh, it's based on, on basically global media for every country in the world, including Kazakhstan, which happens to be uh, much more positive than average on BRI. I have to confirm what we just heard. But the, the trend uh, in that sentiment is actually underwhelming in the sense that the average sentiment has actually plummeted um, across the globe. Uh, there are some regions like Central Asia where the sentiment continues to be very positive, followed by Africa and much, much less so Europe. Now, one could uh, try to figure out why this is the case. There's two events in, in our analysis that, that kind of uh, explain that, that, um, re that worsening in the sentiment. One is COVID and one could understand that because you know it was a moment of total confusion globally as to what was going on and the second is the war in ukraine and i think this second set, uh, um, event i think really should ring the bell as to how europeans are portraying the world at the current juncture um the third analysis we've conducted at Bruegel, which is not yet published and hopefully uh, will be published soon, is about the changing narrative uh, or the changing nature of the BRI. And I want to end with those words. Um, so the, in our understanding, the BRI started as a very economic project. So basically a huge amounts we heard from the ambassador, one trillion, uh, around one trillion US dollar in both uh, FDI and loans with quite uh, uh, an unbalanced, I have to say, uh, share of loans versus investment, which uh, fortunately, in my view, has has corrected uh, recently. So now we have slightly above 50% of the total amounts uh, funded by China for infrastructure uh, into FDI rather than before barely 20%. So that there is a, a change. I think this is related to the fact that probably there's been over leverage from the countries, recipient countries for these infrastructure projects. And China now is more keen to, to invest, uh, whether it's greenfield into, for example, a green tech, etc. So this is becoming more balanced. But uh, I do have to say that the amounts are much smaller than they used to be. So they are hovering about 20 billion rather than, you know, the, the 50 billion around that uh, you, we had for loans uh, and investment in the past. So, so it is more balanced. It is smaller, maybe rightly so, because maybe the, the pace was just very hard to absorb by the, by the uh, host countries, the, the borrowers. And the question is, where is it heading? In that narrative, our view, and I end here, is that it's becoming less of that, less of that economic angle by which China lends for others to, to build their infrastructure, which uh, uh, could be a win-win, certainly for, for the two countries involved, um, but rather um, more of a, of a 
of a security, uh, of a overall security, soft, and perhaps one day hard power uh, proposition. And we see this because of the narrative, the um, Global Security Initiative, Global Civilization Initiative, which uh, Global Development Initiative, three initiatives that in a way give shape to what is meant, this BRI is meant to be. Much more of a cohesive part of the world and perhaps less so of an infra-led strategy. I leave it there. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alicia. You've raised lots of interesting points that we will come back to and touch on in the discussion. Um, in particular, things like green and where we should be headed versus where we are headed um, and this translation of and the evolution of the BRI. But let me turn when to you. Um, give us your opening thoughts and, and feel free to react to what you've heard from your fellow speakers. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Actually, um, uh, I just arrived in, uh, in, in Europe uh, last night uh, from Beijing. I just uh, very eager to uh, communicate with a uh, European uh, old friend because, uh, because of the COVID-19, uh, I haven't been in uh, Europe for four years. So today, I'm, I think it's very significant. As a Chinese scholar uh, focusing on studying uh, global governance, actually the Bell and Law Initiative is one of my research focus. And in the past 10 years, I have been to uh, nearly uh, 100 countries to uh, investigate and research many local uh, projects of the Bell and Law. I'm very willing to uh, share some uh, practical experience. Um, in the recent months, uh, I, we all know that the, the discussion about VI 10 anniversary is very popular. I saw some uh, Western media and the scholars who have a very negative views on the BI. And there are some uh, constructive views that China should listen to it, but many uh, irresponsible uh, criticism, rumors, and even uh, curses, uh, we should fight back. Uh, uh, as uh, my, uh, one of my core idea today is that uh, in, the, in the past 10 years, and there have been uh, many uh, significant changes in the world, as well as China, because of, of the BRI. And uh, from the perspective of the significant contrast between 10 years, the BRI really has indeed changed China, as well as the world. So I, 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 let me uh, very quickly uh, uh, introduce the three points of the conditions, change conditions to the world. Uh, and later, if I have uh, more time, I can introduce how uh, BI changed China. Uh, I think uh, at least uh, in the past uh, 10 years, the BI changed the world uh, in uh, three uh, perspectives. First perspective is the development level. As uh, Ambassador Fu Chong right now, he said, the BI really uh, improved more and more countries own uh, well-being, especially those uh, non-Western uh, country, uh, developing country, they uh, cooperate with China. They have uh, more and more uh, Chinese investment and constructive, uh, especially infrastructure constructive. So uh, as uh, Fu Chong, uh, Ambassador Fu Chong uh, uh, called a lot of data, I have uh, shared uh, the other uh, data to uh, audience. Uh, for example, in Africa, in the, in the past uh, 10 plus years, China has built more than 6,000 kilometers of railway. Uh, and 
10,000 kilometers highways and in Africa, and more than uh, 20 ports, and more than uh, 80 major infrastructure, and 80% of telecommunication facility. And in the past 10 years, China has opened more than 1,300 1, new loops uh, with uh, Bell and Low countries. And in more than uh, 80 countries, China opened a new uh, bank outlet or financial corporation service. And China average annual foreign investment has remained at 150 billion US dollars. And, and, and more and more China capital flow to the BRI countries. And according to the uh, statistic, BRI adds additional one to three point four percent of the actual national local revenue of the country along the route, and a large number of the ironic BRI projects, such as uh, a lot of uh, very big projects, such as Mongolia, uh, uh, such as uh, Mombasa Nairobi Railway, uh, the Chinese Laos Railway, the Jakarta Wanlong Railway, are completely and. Uh, operated to benefit the local countries. And the BRI also strengthened the mutual awareness of China and uh, more and more developing countries. Uh, each year, more than uh, four, 400,000 BRI countries' young students uh, go to uh, China for study. And uh, China established the Confucius Institute uh, Lubang uh, workshop and cultural center in more than 100 countries. So that's my first point I want to share. That is, PI really helped more and more developing country for uh, next steps of development. That first, because of the the first point, I think the second point is that those BRI countries, uh, they uh, uh, they re choice, uh, they rethink themselves. And a rechoice the future load. Because in the past, because in the past, uh, the developing country, they admire West. They often uh, regarded the so-called Western uh, consensus as uh, only a reference for countries' development path. The result of the BRI cooperation in the 10 years shows that the Chinese economy experience focusing on infrastructure is more applicable to the uh, emerging country, the developing country, the underdeveloped country. More importantly, I think uh, the higher redeeming rate of China infrastructure pro production capacity and trained investment, especially a set of uh, operation model from planning to design, from financing to uh, construction, from uh, operate, operational to uh, return to the uh, laws so that developing country that have, has been attracted in uh, technology and the capital uh, delimers long time, now they can more unlocked to the successful path. So nowadays, more and more developing countries, they are thinking in depth, because I have a lot of African friends, a lot of ASEAN friends, a lot of Latin American friends. They are all thinking, why? China in the past 40 years, 40 years ago, 
China is so poor, but now, 40 years past, China can develop so quickly. They have China's experience. They need uh, reference, reference. They need them, uh, even uh, comprehensively copy China's experience. So I think uh, I think this is very important uh, to to give the reference uh, developing development uh, reference uh, experience to the developing country. That's the second point. Final point I want want to share is that from the uh, strategic uh, 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 feedback, I think a BRI even uh, has been uh, forcing Western countries to reflect themselves, adjust Western foreign strategy in the ten years, right? In the, in, the, in the past 10 years, Western countries have studied more than 3,000 reports in terms of my calculation, uh, more than 3,000 research reports on BII. They, they just learn uh, from the BII. And for example, the G7, G7 summit, they launched the so-called B3W. Build back better world, right? And also they push the PGRI Global Infrastructure Partnership. Are all uh, the, the two in, uh, initiative new in, in, initiative are all uh, inspired by the BRI cooperation, and has to uh, compete. They want to compete with the BRI uh, in order to maintain the so-called Western hegemony. So I think uh, uh, no matter. Uh, well, I think if Western uh, countries can really uh, reflect on themselves, because a very obvious condition is that in the past 70 plus years, especially since the end of the World War II, on the leadership of the West, the, by the, the world, uh, you know, uh, but the problem is that 70 years past, those poor countries are still very, very poor. But rich countries, they develop, face the more and more dilemma. So I think they need, they need reflect themselves. But if they can really need, uh, really reflect themselves, increase their efforts to cooperate and try to uh, 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 contribute to the world much more than before. I think if that, we, we will come. So uh, I think it's uh, it's uh, the other side of uh, contribution from the BRI to the Western countries. That's my uh, first point. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much. And indeed, thank you to all for this very interesting opening round. Um, I see a lot of questions coming in already. So I think for our future rounds, let's try to be brief. Um, Ambassador, let's start with the elephant in the room that I think Alicia alluded to in terms of sentiment. Um, and there is some skepticism about the BRI. How do you tackle that, particularly in light of Europe's strategic autonomy policy? Actually, when it comes to the BRI, whether this is good or bad, I think uh, uh, we need to listen more to the, uh, to the receiving countries. I think that, uh, that's the, uh, the only fair. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, we know that there is a lot of uh, criticism on the in the Western media and also from the Western government sometimes, um, but actually uh, we will, 
as far as, as, as we go, we will continue to, to do that because we, we care more about the reactions from the recipient states, uh, especially in the, in the global south. And in, the, uh, in Europe, actually, um, first let me say that uh, in, Europe, Europe, in Europe itself, there are some uh, flagship uh, projects I mentioned in my speech, like the port in Greece, the, uh, the, 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 the railway in, the, uh, in, in the, uh, Serbia, and also in the, uh, in, in the bridge in Croatia. And uh, so in all these countries, uh, BRI is very positively received. And uh, with respect to other countries, and um, we're, as far as China is concerned, we are ready to cooperate. And the f uh, I will, actually, we, we, I, I will say that uh, we are heartened, heartened to see that uh, the, uh, the BRI has motivated uh, some major initiatives on the part of the Western countries. Just now, the, the uh, uh, Dr. Wang mentioned that the, uh, the, the, the latest IMEC and also the, the, the Global Gateway uh, initiative uh, from Europe. And actually, we see this as a good thing. Even though some of the uh, uh, Western uh, politicians uh, say that all these are counterbalancing, are counterweights to the BRI, but in our, in our view, we do not see them as, as, as a counterweight. We see them as a complementary uh, initiative, and uh, we, we, do, we do really think that, because uh, we, we, we know that the, uh, the world needs um, much more uh, investment in terms of the basic infrastructure in the, in the global south, uh, and China alone cannot afford uh, to, to, to make all these happen. So uh, we, we welcome all these initiatives. So there is no reason that we should become counterweights or counterbalances against each other. So uh, we, 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 we hope that uh, we can cooperate, and we are willing to do that. Actually, there are some uh, projects that are already uh, being, uh, have taken off in, the, in Africa, and in also the, I personally have met with the special envoy of the, uh, of the EU uh, on Central Asia, and she is very interested in having all these uh, joint uh, uh, projects in, in Central Asian countries. So uh, I think as, as we enter the, uh, the, the, the second decade for the BRI, the, uh, the, the sentiments uh, towards the BRI will definitely improve. And uh, I, I'm not so concerned about uh, some of the criticism launched by some of the, the Western media. And uh, I think facts speak louder than words. Uh, what we need to do is to concentrate on what we do and uh, let the facts show to the world uh, what BRI is really all about. Thank you. Well, you mentioned, of course, the Global Gateway, and as have many people online, um, Finbar Birmingham indeed said and pointed to something within the EU, uh, Mr. Borrell saying the Global Gateway and the BRI are not exclusive, that they can, as you say, work together. And yet uh, President von der Leyen has said that the Global Gateway will compete with the BRI um, so that countries have an alternative model. Alicia, perhaps I could ask you to weigh in on that. Where does the EU's Global Gateway fit with the history that we've seen already of 10 years of the BRI um, and the Global Gateway perhaps playing a little bit of catch-up?
Um, Alicia, you're on mute. <laughs> Apologies. Thank you. Um, I would start by saying, if you can hear me, that I think there's many more development models than the West or China's. Uh, we can we can go back in history to the 80s and the new industrialization policies of Latin America, which didn't work out, but they were not Western policies. They were totally uh, um, endogenous to what was believed to be the right thing to do, uh, that model of industrial policy that was based on import substitution. So, you know, I'm just saying that there's many, many... Uh, up and downs in, in, in development theories that, that are intrinsic to developing countries. And on, on that note, I think the Global Gateway, in a way, takes account of that, but with a major theme, which is, of course, green in the world. I think that if there is a flagship there, uh, which you may consider Western, I hope we can with all, we all consider it global, because otherwise we probably have a problem with that. But um, uh, but I, I guess that's that's the main issue about um, the global gateway that it, it it intends to be as decarbonizing as possible. And I, I if I read uh, Van der Leyen's word, I would say that that's that's something that, in principle, um, she expects the global gateway to do better. Uh, and of course, we could argue that the BRI itself and, and we already have a green bri so so for sure it's it's evolving into a more green strategy um, but i guess that's that's uh, still an evolution i think what uh, europe is trying to propose is is a greening uh, infrastructure um, flagship that that basically gets there as soon as possible in in terms of of not building still brown infrastructure and that's all from from this side Timur, as someone from a third country, neither EU nor China, um, what's your perspective on how the Global Gateway and the BRI might fit together complementarily to multiply, as you say, rather than, rather than just be the sum of their parts? Well, uh, I would like to just to pick up on what Ambassador has said, that uh, the BRI and uh, the Global Gateway, we don't see these uh, two initiatives as competitive. In fact, we, we, <coughs> we strongly believe... <coughs> sorry. Uh, that these two initiatives uh, have uh, a common goals, and therefore uh, need to be uh, there need to be uh, some sort of coordination and some sort of uh, uh, possibility to to find the uh, niches for cooperation with these uh, within these two uh, uh, global serious projects. Uh, even though, uh, as uh, Alicia has mentioned, uh, the global gateway has a, a rather uh, wider aspect of the uh, of the areas. It's, it, it starts from climate change to uh, digitalization to uh, green transportation, hydrogen, and many many other topics. Uh, as we actually look forward to the global gateway forum, uh, I think in the middle of October. So uh, and the the way the global gateway is implemented is is also a, a bit different from the uh, BRI project. <coughs> Uh, but uh, namely, the uh, the ultimate goal I think is is uh, is very similar, and therefore uh, we don't see as as uh, as a problem uh, when uh, when uh, these two uh, mega mega projects need to be uh, put together and 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 uh, find a way to how to uh, cooperate. 
And Ambassador also mentioned that uh, Madame Terry Hakala was in was in Beijing, I think, recently. And uh, the, we're we're glad to hear that this was one of the topics that uh, you had discussed. Uh, we've also had raised uh, the uh, the fourth east-west corridor, the IMAC, the India Middle East EU corridor. And Greg Burchill online is asking, what are the advantages of the BRI and the Middle Corridor compared to the IMAC? Um, Ambassador, would you like to? Tell us where you see those two in relation to one another. You mean BRI and, and IMAC? IMAC, yeah. Actually, on the IMAC, we, we, we don't know much about that initiative, do we? And we need to learn more, more details about that. Uh, but so I don't want to compare these two. As we know that according to the report, some of the, uh, the, the US uh, scholars and official, officials are saying that they are serving as a counterweight uh, against China or anything like that. Again, as I said, if they are purely for developmental purposes, we do not see that uh, as, as a counterbalance. We, again, for whatever uh, the initiative, if they are, the real purpose is for the development of the region, so we do not see China as having anything negative about them. So, uh, but uh, since uh, you mentioned just now, the, the speakers talk about the uh, it's going to be a competition uh, between the uh, the development models and so on and so forth. Uh, let me see how 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 we see this. And actually, when the, if we, we talk about whether it's going to be a, a more a greener model uh, of development, I think there is no competition. There is only uh, cooperation. There is no differences between BRI or any other the global gateway because, uh, as I said, for the for the next decade, uh, BRI is is also evolving. And and as I said in my speech, uh, the green is a distinctive color uh, of the BRI. So we are actually putting a lot of emphasis on green development on digital cooperation. But I do want to draw attention. Uh, uh, of, of people to, to some basic facts about the BRI. When it comes to the BRI, there are good, a lot of good experiences that have accumulated over the past 10 years. Some of the things we feel very distinctly uh, are, can be positive uh, lessons to, uh, if, if you like, for the Global Gateway or, or, or IMAC, is that uh, the project need to be host country driven. So China never imposes any project on any country. It's always the country that comes up with, it, with a project and China comes in uh, with help, with assistance. So that is a, a, a very a, a good experience that we want to share uh, with potential investors. And, uh, and the second uh, good point I want to share is that uh, the basic principle of the BRI is what we call the, uh, the, the principle or, or the triple principle of reciprocity. That is reciprocity in consultation, reciprocity in construction, and the reciprocity in benefit sharing. So at the early stage, at the planning stage, the uh, China and, the, and the, the partner countries and countries uh, actually will coordinate and, and, and the plan together. That's very important. And it's not China actually come up with a product and, and try to sell that to the, uh, to, the, uh, to, the, to the country. And also when it comes to the construction, we also have a, a, a lot of cooperation. 
China uses the, the, the local labor force. That's why we, in my speech we mentioned about how many jobs that China has created uh, in those uh, infrastructure construction. So that's uh, what we call the reciprocity in construction. And more importantly, the, uh, the, uh, the reciprocity in benefit sharing. So we see the BRI projects more from the economic aspect. Indeed, we, I do not deny that in the process, China's soft power increases. Because if you do good things to, to, the, to, to the country, of course, uh, you will be positively received. So, but that is not, not our initial objective. Our initial objective is to engage on an equal footing. I think that is also important for Western countries. You need to engage with the countries on an equal footing and on a cooperative manner so that uh, countries can reap the benefit on an equal footing, uh, equitably. We do not pretend to be the savior of the world. The Chinese companies are going there for their own purposes, for their own benefits, but at the same time, we also bring benefits to the local people. And so that's why in our engagement with the governments and with the people, with the communities, we always do this on an equal footing, uh, on an equitable basis. Uh, I, I, so my advice to the Global Gateway Initiative and to the AMEC, if you want to compare these two, if you can do, as China has done, in terms of giving the sense of equity to the global South countries, you will do well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let me turn back, Wen, to you, Dr. Wang. Um, we've talked there a little bit uh, on the question of green dividends and sustainability. Do you also see that the BRI is bringing in that digital dividend, taking advantage of the technological advances? And how do those two things interplay together? Mm, yes. Uh, first of all, I, I, I really agree with Ambassador Fu Chong said. I, I suggest that uh, uh, between uh, Europe and China, we don't um, mention too much about uh, competition. I think uh, uh, Europe and China has um, more, uh, much more cooperation uh, opportunities than competition. I think uh, why European, uh, so many uh, European uh, uh, scholars, uh, preachers, or think tank, the media, they like to regard competition uh, to describe the relationship uh, between China and Europe recent years, maybe they are influenced too much by the uh, America, because the uh, Biden administration they like use the competition to describe U.S.-China relationship. For for China, as uh, Ambassador Fu said, uh, also for uh, the uh, Miss uh, Chair, you you talking about? I think that uh, you and China. We have so many uh, cooperation uh, opportunity and and the space, not only in the in the green uh, climate change, but also in the um, in the uh, for the comp contribution for the uh, third world. I think one thing is very interesting. Uh, uh, you 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 uh, European countries has to admit 
China's uh, contribution or China's uh, 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 thinking or design. That is uh, 10, 10 years of uh, the BRI has uh, proven that the rise of China has not brought colonization, has not brought disaster, has not brought war, has not brought refugee or the other crisis. But the 10 years BRI brought the world trade, commodity, tourists, infrastructure, and economic growth, and, and more and more civilized, civilization uh, condition. I think this is, this is what any uh, Western countries, when they are rising, they didn't done, they didn't do in his, uh, in his history, in their history. So I think these are uh, very obvious uh, conditions. But I have to uh, uh, admit too, uh, of course, uh, the new things uh, will inevitably be uh, uh, accompanied uh, by uh, uh, confusion. Uh, just as, uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, during the 10th anniversary of the reform and opening up a policy uh, since Deng Xiaoping. Uh, in, um, if if uh, we uh, think over the 10th uh, anniversary of the reform and opening up, that's in the 19... Uh, 1988, right, 10th anniversary. Uh, but that time, a lot of Western media, they still suspect China's uh, reform and opening up policy. But now, this year, it's 45 years of reform and opening up. No one deny the contribution of the reform and opening up policy. So I think but the BI is only a, a very short, only 10 years. So uh, let's uh, look long term, use a long term to uh, to observe the BRI's future. I think uh, we'll wait for maybe uh, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years or more. Uh, maybe everyone will admire the great greatness of the BRI as a great way to uh, recognize uh, reform and open up policy uh, now. So uh, that's my uh, uh, second point. Third point, I, I uh, uh, suggest my uh, European uh, audience or friends that I think we we really uh, uh, can travel or can ask those uh, developing countries uh, thinking. Uh, you you can ask a Kenya friend talking about Nigeria, uh, uh, talking about ask the questions to. Nairobi, Mombasa friends, talk, ask a question to the Laos friends, uh, even uh, ask the, 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 the question to the Egypt uh, friends, they can tell you the, 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 in his heart, in their heart, that how great or how uh, significant of the BRI, because BRI really uh, bring the, the, the very uh, real uh, uh, well-being and benefit uh, dividend to uh, the local development. So I, I think, but, but, but to my honest, China really it's a developing country. We just try our best to, 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 to contribute the, uh, the world. So it's only the first decades, but give me, give us the more and more time. So I think we can do better. That's my point. Thank you. Thank you. And it's interesting that you raised the question of US-China relations 
just this week as uh, officials have been meeting in Malta using the EU as their, their staging board for those talks with a view to the future. Alicia, let me bring you back in to get your reaction to some of those points. Um, we haven't really mentioned the US up to now, but obviously as a global player, they're, they're involved uh, to a certain point, certainly as a, as a center of gravity. Um, I also am interested in your views on the opening up project. Give us your thoughts, please. Well, I mean, um, I think the, the Belt and Road Initiative was, uh, at the very beginning, not even uh, an issue in the US. I, I still remember that it was kind of downplayed as, as an, a non-important non strategy. Nothing as, as wrong, frankly speaking, as, as that, because it is an important strategy. And I think the US has realized that, that China has gained a lot of soft power through this strategy. Again, it's not only about infrastructure, of course, infrastructure helps, but, but there's also more that is being brought by, by uh, China being present in so many countries in the world, including, to be frank, the fact that this infrastructure is very much hub and spoke, meaning that it links China with a huge number of countries in a way that these countries actually tend to train, trade so much more with China as a consequence of the infrastructure. So, so in a way, it, the U.S. is, of course, now finally aware of what is all boiling down to, which is that most countries in the world by now, um, the largest number of countries in the world, uh, is has China as a first trading partner. And the BRI is part of the reason why this is the case. So I I, I think this explains the, the US response, uh, still, of course, a piecemeal response to the BRI. Um, and, and, and perhaps aware that that response is not enough because the US is not able to, to, to offer free trade agreements or the amount of uh, resources needed to to come up with uh, other types of infrastructure for these countries is basically coming with its own industrial policy uh, in a way if you want my market uh, you know you come and play along i have to say very honestly that that um, in a way uh, this is just another way to see industrial policy also in china i mean it, the us is not the only country in the world doing industrial policy i have to say but the fact that they are reacting this way to me shows the limits of the U.S. in mimicking a BRI. I, I think that that's, in a way, a reason why the U.S. is using a different strategy. Thank you. Um, another question from an audience member, Benedict Flam, um, is saying that in Hungary, uh, some companies that are related to BRI investments are accused of not being sufficiently environmentally conscious. Uh, Timur, in Kazakhstan, do you have some of these same issues, that there's an effort to show that you're being green as well as simply say that you're being green when it's in conjunction with BRI investments? And how might we deal with that? Is it some sort of labeling? Is it some sort of transparency? Well, uh, at the moment, uh, there is no such an example that I could uh, refer to. Uh, that relates to BRI or not uh, or not uh, being green or uh, meeting some ecological standards. But what I can say is that Kazakhstan has uh, introduced its uh, uh, internal uh, regulations and codes that relate to uh, environmental uh, obligations, and those derive from the COP27 and COP uh, previous uh, 
uh, obligations uh, like Paris. And uh, there we, we have made a very clear uh, statement to the world that we will try to be uh, carbon uh, neutral by 2060. And uh, from this perspective, everything is being watched. And uh, so no matter from uh, what uh, sort of project uh, the investments or the infrastructure is coming, be it BRI uh, or any other global initiative, it all is viewed from the perspective of uh, meeting the, uh, uh, the newest and the most latest uh, green standards. Thank you. Um, well, I'm going to have a final question for the ambassador before I go to a, a final round of expectations or hopes or aspirations. Um, Steph Clement has asked, what can we expect from the upcoming third BRI forum in October, especially in light of President Xi's renewed emphasis on small but beautiful projects? Yes, actually we are, we are going to ha hold this uh, third forum uh, in uh, mid-October and uh, this is to, to celebrate the, uh, uh, the, the, the achievement of the, of the past decade and uh, charter the way forward. And um, yes, we, as I said, we'll continue uh, to, to, uh, uh, with this uh, great initiative and uh, we will move uh, in, a, 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 in, in lockstep with, with the world in terms of uh, green transition and the digital uh, transition. And uh, actually, uh, in, actually, if you look at the concrete projects, actually green is already one of the one of the basic uh, elements, and both in terms of the uh, of the projects that are being invested in, for instance, in the in the renewable energy, and, and also the way the infrastructures uh, are being built, like the uh, they are they are they're built. In, in greener ways, if you like. And so uh, that may be a direction. And also, yeah, yes, more and beautiful. Yes, that is actually is also one of the, uh, the, the underlying principles of BRI. And by the way, just now people talk, mentioned this, uh, the Global Development Initiative. Actually, these are working in conjunction with each other. So uh, we are trying our best to, uh, to help with uh, the developing countries, other developing countries, in meeting the, the UN SDGs. And we, we, we believe that uh, uh, through the, the small projects to improve the livelihood of, of the local people, this is the most direct way uh, to, 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 to lift people out of poverty, and to, to meet the, uh, the, the goal of the UNSD, the Sustainable Development uh, Goals. So uh, indeed, that may be another uh, the, uh, uh, direction that uh, we will uh, be moving in. So, uh, and we'll actually, so another th point I want to emphasize is that, uh, as I said, uh, China is, for the BRA, is not a, what I call the, the, the solo show of China. So by inviting all these countries to Beijing, uh, we are actually uh, poised uh, to listen to the views of, of countries. And together, this is a joint effort. So together, we can uh, decide on which direction this BRI uh, should be uh, moving forward to. Thank you.
when a final word from you, what do you see as the direction of travel for the next 10 years? Uh, first of all, I, I've got to answer your question right now about the, uh, the, the green uh, uh, definition. I, I have to uh, uh, say that uh, in, in uh, so-called green uh, silk law, it's a core uh, content of the BRI. Uh, I don't know whether you know, uh, two years ago, China announced uh, that in the future, China will totally cancel uh, all the uh, thermal thermal uh, power investment worldwide. And also uh, three years ago, China announced the uh, carbon neutrality strategy. And uh, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. <coughs> we want to achieve the uh, carbon neutrality uh, before 2060. And uh, seeing that China now uh, invests uh, nearly uh, one trillion U.S. dollars in green uh, industry every year, and uh, as we all know, in nowadays in China, the the, the photo uh, voltage uh, power, uh, wind power, solar energy industrial are all globally uh, leading, right? So I think uh, we focus on we focus on the uh, BR uh, the the green uh, industrial. Uh, also, uh, we want to share the green development experience in the <coughs> in the BI. And final point I want to share is that, <coughs> sorry, um, because I just arrived in Loma uh, uh, last night, and this morning, this morning I I jogging all along the old cities of Loma. I look at those uh, old buildings. I can imagine how great it is of the Roman Empire 2000 years ago. And, and then Europe developed very quickly. And in, in the past 200 years, 100 years, for China side, we really learned, from, learned a lot from the European countries. China's first generation's leader, some of them, or most of them, they study abroad, study in uh, in, in the Europe, in France, and, and the other country. And why? Because Europe contribute the uh, uh, the world a lot uh, 100 years ago. Uh, and, but, but probably, uh, the, so that's why we learn from Europe. But now, China become the uh, second largest economy uh, 10 plus years ago. We want to contribute to the world. So I, I, I think the first point we want to say is that we should learn from the better. Who's the better? Who we should learn from? So this is Confucius tell us, told us. So I think for European countries, I think we, we need push the mutual learning among the civilization. So if we have the even we have the com competition. We can a uh, competition for the contribution for the world. We can have the competition for learning more. So this is my uh, final point for sharing. Thank you very much. Alicia, um, I realize I'm slightly asking you to look into a crystal ball and predict the future, but give us your thoughts on what might lie ahead. Uh, 
I, I think we can't uh, negate the fact that the world is uh, becoming more fragmented uh, and that we are increasingly seeing two ecosystems, whether it's because of uh, de-risking or tactic coupling or you name it. So for me, the BRI constitutes kind of the, the origin of one of these two ecosystems, uh, basically hub in China and spoke in, in all of the BRI um, countries. Um, now, as we speak, of course, those countries that feel more comfortable in the other ecosystem led by the US will probably within you know the the uh, the traditional BRI will probably move elsewhere this is the case of Italy already and there may be others and, and others probably will jump into the BRI because they feel uncomfortable in, in the western ecosystem but i think that's what the BRI will become um kind of economic, soft power, maybe even security power um, to define one part of the world. I, I, I want to say a few words actually in response to that. Indeed, the world is being more fragmented. But, but let, let us remember, whether the world is moving to fragmentation is, depends on our choice. It's not a natural evolution that the world should be fragmented. It all depends on our choice. BRI is, an, is a project that promotes globalization. If we go to the other part of the world to jointly develop, we see that as part of globalization. So that's why we, we would like to advise to the Western politicians to do not see this as an effort to undermine the West so that that becomes a basis or an excuse for you to, to fragment, to make the world more fragmented. We don't think that is the, uh, that, that, that how, that's how the BRI should be, uh, to, should be looked at. And that's why we have been emphasizing for all those initiatives coming from Europe, coming from the United States, when it comes to the, to the global gateway, to whatever initiative you have, don't put it against the BRI. We do not see them as something that is against BRI. We see them as a complementary. So that is the mentality. I think that, that, that's very important. If we see this as competition, even some, sometimes even geopolitical competition, so it goes beyond economics. That's very dangerous. I don't think that will be welcomed uh, by, 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 by the other parts of the world, by the global south. So we do not need more ideological division. There is no need for geopolitical dis division. And uh, in our case, we want to promote a more globalized uh, effort in all the uh, in the developments of all quarters of all corners of, of the world. So don't uh, try to put uh, your initiative against the BRI. It is not uh, it's not going to work because it will not be welcomed by the by the global south. And there is no need for this. Just now you mentioned the, uh, the, the high level engagement between China and the US. Indeed, 
uh, tensions need to be reduced, not enhanced. And uh, having a more relaxed international environment uh, is going to be beneficial to all sides. So uh, that is an appeal that China has been uh, ma making uh, to, 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 to the Western countries. Thank you. Thank you. Timur, a final thought from you? Well, a final thought is that if there is a competition, the competition needs to be healthy. And as, as was said, uh, you know, Kazakhstan views uh, the global initiatives, including one like BRI, from the perspective of not political competition or, or geopolitical competitions, but we see it as and view it clearly as, the, as the, an opportunity to, to cooperate closer in areas like trade, economy, green energy, uh, transportation, and many other areas. So uh, from the point of view of a country like Kazakhstan, uh, such initiatives are welcomed and need to be, and need to be present. And if there is a presence of uh, alternatives, as long as there is, it's healthy and uh, uh, trade and uh, uh, rule-based competition, it is, uh, it is more than welcome. Thank you. Ambassador, I think you've made your points quite well, but if you have a final comment you want to make before we say goodbye. Well, I already made my final point. My, my final appeal to the two European countries is that uh, uh, let's work together uh, for the benefit of the global south and for the global, uh, for, for the entire world. And uh, there is no need uh, for us to have uh, all these uh, uh, competition and uh, as I said, uh, throughout my intervention today, uh, we see our initiatives as complementary towards each other. And uh, we, we also believe, by extension, we also believe that uh, globalization uh, is still the uh, uh, beneficial. Uh, we do not accept uh, that it is already something that has uh, become a fait accompli as if that uh, the, the, the world is going to be fragmented. And I'm sure all of you have read the, uh, the very important uh, article uh, in the Foreign Affairs by the uh, IMF uh, the director. If the, 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 the world gets further fragmented, the, the GDP of the global GDP will reduce by a certain uh, percentage. And, and the whole world will lose. And uh, we, we do believe that uh, uh, common sense can prevail in this regard. So geopolitics, uh, there is no need for geopolitics uh, when it comes to the economic cooperation. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. And thank you to all our speakers, to Timur Sultan Kozin, to Alicia Garcia Herrero, Dr. Wang Wen, and of course, Ambassador Fu Xiong. Thank you to the audience for your attention, for all your great questions, and to the whole team at Your Active. If you've enjoyed this debate and this discussion, remember you can find out more Your Active debates by following the hashtag EADebates. And we hope to see you again soon. Have a great day.